This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Nicole, thanks for the PayPal saying you make my day. I'm glad I make your day, and I'm always going to make your day. Until I die. Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher, and you're listening to ICYMI, in case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. As you can probably tell, I am alone here today. Rachel is not here to record with me, which honestly rude of her not to welcome me back with open arms while blasting a uh, track from the seminal film classic, the Lizzie McGuire movie. But not to worry, Rachel will still be in your ears today on the show. Also, since it's just me, it does mean you are all spared, at least for now, a conversation about Elon Musk buying Twitter. Because without Rachel, that conversation is just a monologue, and we all know no one wants that. So, Rachel and I recently recorded this interview with journalist Jessica Lucas, who wrote a story for Input Mag about a bizarre and... Alarming? Yeah. Bizarre and, let's say, alarming pocket of culture that has emerged on TikTok. We'd like you to meet William White. William's a 22-year-old Canadian guy who rocketed to fame on TikTok. His account is at Whitey18, that's Whitey with two Ys. He has 1.9 million followers, but the thing is, they're not the followers you might think a handsome 22-year-old guy would have on TikTok. White has been very, very savvy about cultivating this mass of middle-aged women who fawn over him and, frankly, have gotten a little too obsessed with him as he poorly lip-syncs songs from the 1980s, a.k.a. songs of their youth, salad days. On the show today, Jessica is here to tell us about how this seemingly sweet fandom has taken some very dark turns, why these women are so intense about their adoration of White, and how much money seems to be involved in the whole thing. Spoiler alert, it's a lot of money. We'll be back with Jessica and Rachel after a short break. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today, we are joined by journalist Jessica Lucas to discuss her incredible piece in Input Magazine about the 22-year-old influencer William White and the dramatic fandom of Gen X women who have formed around him. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Jessica, how did you first hear about this story? How did William come into your life? Um, So I wish I could say it was from the TikTok algorithm, but I was actually spying on people's conversations on Twitter, as I'm sure you guys do sometimes as well. Um, And there was this woman and she was talking, you know, about how Will changed my life and Will's awakened my sexuality and and I feel young again. I'm like, "Who's, who's Will? What's going on here? And there was just this entire thread devoted to this man, all of these women. They have his face as their profile pictures. 
they've got names like I'm Will's left foot, like you know, kind of like a Chuck Palahniuk, but more devoted is very strange. But I mean, when I first found it, I thought it was really wholesome. I was like, look at these women who are so excited about being seen sexually in their forties. Look how positive they are, this community they built. And then I lifted the lid and it became much more horrific very quickly. (laughs) Who is William White? Very briefly, how would you describe this guy? Physically, he's like every 80s heartthrob face morphed. He just (laughs) looks like a, a blend of like Patrick Swayze and a bunch of other guys that these women lusted after in their teens and early 20s. He... Lip syncs often not in time to <laughs> 80s ballads on TikTok <laughs> and kind of flounces around in front of the camera and also does a lot of live sessions with these women where he tells them that he loves them or sometimes spits on command. It can go from wholesome to dirty very quickly. And, and that's him in a nutshell, I think. So now that we kind of have a picture of who William White is, a very moist picture. <laughs> That was an excellent way to describe the fandom, actually. <laughs> that was actually moist. the next question is, could you tell us about his fandom? And I guess moist is the way we're starting off. Um, so for context, they're just uh, it's kind of gross. They're obsessed with any sort of wetness to do with his mouth. So when he gets water all over his beard... Um, Recently, they've been sexualizing a picture of him. I don't even know what he's eating, but it like spurted. They're obsessed with that now. What do you think it is that White is offering these women that other influencers aren't? Why has he attracted this Gen X fandom when that's not really the pool other influencers of his ilk are drawing from? Because he's welcomed them. He's I mean, target is quite a strong word, but he has, you know, he's used these 80s ballads. He's not really doing anything modern. He's not doing these overcomplicated thirst traps. And (laughs) he's making them feel seen. All of them truly believe they have this connection with him through a screen and that he does see them as sexual people and he does see them as fun and interesting and no one else is really doing that. It's really kind of giving Christian Grey Fifty Shades of Grey and that it's targeting an audience that previously hasn't really been targeted. Like you're you're seeing what is basically a lack being filled with William White's presence. Absolutely. And I think it came along at a certain time as well. You know, when he first appeared in 2021, I mean, we're talking about women who were still being very cautious about pandemic regulations and things like that because they have families and children. Um, A lot of them are often caring for older relatives as well. And they were isolated and all of a sudden they had a space on TikTok and they had a hot guy to talk about. And um, it brought a lot of people light in a dark time and then just descended into gross, moist locker talk and (laughs) insanity. Jessica, you just brought up a really great point. Do you feel like that profound isolation that these women, along with, I mean, so many of us, were experiencing in this time in some ways insulated William White from the worst aspects of fandom? I think he, and this is a big point of contention, I think he does insulate himself or is perhaps insulated by others. Um, I know he wasn't very press shy when he first shot to fame, whereas now it's very much... 
he doesn't want to talk. He'll he'll disappear from social media for a few days. Um, he's insulating himself from it. Why do you think that is? Because a lot of this behaviour is is indirectly encouraged. I mean, you only have to look at the man's Twitter. They call his tweets their texts. So he'll put out a, I love you, or good morning. And you're talking hundreds of replies from people telling them about their day. (laughs) (laughs) So a big element of this story and the thing that sort of dropped my jaw to the floor is the money aspect, because this guy is just rolling in it. Do you think... Part of the reason that that the fandom has exploded in the way that it has and also supports him financially in the way that they do is because of the age demographic he's targeting, right? I don't think of like a 16-year-old who's thirsting over some guy in the hype house as having the disposable income that it seems some of these women are are throwing at William White. Absolutely. It's definitely an age thing where where they do have... I suppose, the luxury of of being able to spend on him in this way. I guess in a similar way to older men who spend quite lavishly on younger women, although not usually quite in the same way. In fact, one of the first group funds that was raised for Will White was called the Sugar Mama Fund, and it was later (laughs) renamed. One of the examples of the money at the kind of white fandom's disposal came up in your piece when you described this TikTok live battle week in March where he took home like $76,000. For listeners who are kind of unfamiliar, what exactly is this like live battle? Where does the money come from? How does it work? What's going on? I wish I knew, to be honest. So I I will explain it to you, but I, I still don't know why it exists other than to just make TikTok and influencers money. It's, it's nothing but a money-grabbing scheme. But essentially, you will have a split screen of two influencers, and they can do whatever they want. Uh, so in the context of Will White and uh, what you would call his peers on the platform, there's a lot of dancing to music and sometimes taking off your top and the whole the whole point of this is to get your fans to donate tiktok gifts and your fans can buy tiktok gifts by exchanging real life money Mm. for coins which are valid on tiktok and then they use the coins to buy the gifts which are called things like rainbow puke, or I think one of the biggest ones you can get is a lion. But it's all about who can rack up the most gifts um, and therefore rack up the most earnings. We are number one by 200K. Guys, thank you so much. Gifters, thank you so much. You guys went off there. We had Maria going off, Janer, Stacy's mom, Karina. Speaking of earnings, Rachel, you said that he took home $76,000, but... Jessica, how much money did his fans give during this particular live in total? Because TikTok took a cut, right? They do take a cut. And it's also up for debate because the price of uh, TikTok coins varies from country to country and also where they buy it. But roughly about $234,000 in a week. And this is not just it as well. I mean, this is on top of the monthly allowance. This is on top of regular PayPal donations and TikTok gifts every week. Um, and they've raised thousands for charity as well. You just said a really interesting phrase, considering that William White is a grown-ass 20-something man. And that phrase is monthly allowance. What? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's um, it's designed to fund his budding modeling and acting career so that he has time to audition. Uh, no one has heard of any auditions he's been on. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. It's it's, <laughs> it's there for a reason. But... but who's giving it to him? Who are the the uh, the metaphorical TikTok mom and dad who are giving him this monthly allowance? So hard to say because Whitey Nation, if you will, I know it sounds like a white nationalist group. It is just the name of the fandom. Um, Every single time I read it in your piece, I was like, do they understand what they're doing right now? No, no. They did try and rebrand at one point as Dick Dick Army was um, another suggestion. I'm not sure what happened to that, though. So back to this monthly allowance, this is raised according to your piece, by a group called the Grotto Girls. Could you describe who these women, girls are? They are a fan group who set themselves up because they were sick of being shamed for sexualizing Will White in quite an overt way. So what we would call locker room talk is pretty graphic, pretty gross. And, and they took pride in this and that's fine. And they set up their own group, but they became quite good at branding. So they have like, they all use high heels and fire emojis in their names to get noticed. And I think they started realizing that if they acted en masse, so banding together and saying, sending donations, banding together and sending gifts like a custom longboard, it would get them noticed um, and it would get them more attention from Will. So that's kind of where that came from. And they have been one of the main fundraisers of a monthly allowance for him. Okay, that is extremely wild. And also, how do I get myself one of those allowances? I know there's a lot more we need to get into, but first we need to take a quick break so I can find someone to fund my allowance. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. and We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Hey there, listeners. If you love our podcast, then consider subscribing to Slate Plus. It means you'll get no ads on any Slate show, including this one, and you'd really be supporting ICYMI. What we make every week wouldn't be possible without support. Slate Plus helps us keep our show going. You'll get bonus segments or extra episodes of shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Political and Culture Gab Fest, Big Mood, Little Mood, Mom and Dad are Fighting, the list goes on and on, you want to be listening to these. You'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means access to every article and advice column Slate has to offer without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That's slate.com slash ICYMI plus.
All right, we are back. There was several points in your story where you talk about the fandom turning toxic, but the one that stuck out to me, mostly because it has a hilarious name, was Nanagate. Jessica, what is Nanagate? <laughs> Nanagate is a recent scandal in the uh, whitey nation world. Um, essentially, White's cousin, Alex, who is also building a similar brand to White now, was sort of hinting, you know, oh, we want to raise money for Nana. We want to get a GoFundMe together. We want to direct funds her way and pay her rent for a year. And Will was with him kind of encouraging this. And of course, it was never explicitly said, this is absolutely what we're doing. It was more, we want to do something nice for Nana. And all of a sudden, the PayPal start rolling in and they're reading out, this person donated to Nana. Thank you so much, this person. And on and on it goes. Um, so a lot of people sort of suddenly realize, you know, this is a man who has just taken $75,000 in a, in a week, not that long ago. Why why are we paying his grandmother's rent? And so was this kind of a turning point in the fandom in terms of people realizing or suspecting that this is becoming a grift? I'd like to think so. Certainly one of my interviewees contacted me off the back of the Nanagate scam to, you know, very passionately say that she had changed her mind and she didn't feel as supportive of him anymore because she felt it was obvious what he was doing, but a lot of them have doubled down. But I mean, these women are incredible in the way they've documented all of this and kept evidence. And um, and obviously there's been a lot of crimes in terms of drama on both sides, but they really have been making every effort to log all of this grifty behaviour, I guess in the hope something like this would happen and he'd be called out. It's funny you say grift, right? Because that's a word that has legal implications. And it's not one that I didn't immediately also jump to, right? Scam culture is at an all-time high. But... When you think about it, do you actually consider this to be a grift or a scam? Because he's not forcing these women to hand over bags of unmarked bills. He's just existing on the internet. Absolutely. Um, and this is why I kind of say, and we'll repeat very clearly again, grifty behavior because... <laughs> <laughs> Our lawyer says thanks. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, he's not doing anything wrong. You know, uh, would would most people engage in this behaviour and, and, and be comfortable in what they're doing? Mm, I, I don't know. I've, ne- I've not seen the amount of money he's receiving, to be honest. So, um, But he's not he's, he's not breaking any rules. He's, he's not really doing anything wrong. And he is a 22 year old man being showered with affection and money and and all of these other amazing gifts um, by a bunch of, of, of women who hang off his every word. Um, and I can see why it would be easy to succumb to that. We've talked mostly about, I guess, White's behavior in all of this. But a huge thing that your piece got into was how toxic the fandom has become. There were kind of allegations of stalking, photos of his house being put up. Could you tell us a bit about that? I don't, I've been trying to think of a way to describe it, and I would say the best way you can imagine it is Gen X meets Heathers and, and Mean Girls. It's like part plastics, part, I guess, serial killer-esque <laughs> precision and, mm-hmm. and, and, and madness and just ruth, ruthlessness. That is probably the best word to describe it. There is a lot of 
ruthlessness, um, which I guess is partly because the fandom is so online. Um, you know, there's um, the, there's been cases where, and because I couldn't fit everything into the article, particularly where I couldn't produce receipts, but I've, I've been told that uh, one woman had pictures of her OnlyFans downloaded and then sent to her daughter. Um, it can get really vicious. And this is all conflict over, like, what exactly? Not supporting him enough? Calling out behavior in the fandom? This is where it gets interesting because I think a lot of the fandom now, as obsessive as they are about Will, they seem to be more obsessed with each other. It's, like, kind of Mm. transformed into its own thing. It did start out as one side wanting to sexualize Will and almost kind of smother him with their support in a way that the other side feels wasn't beneficial to him. But because that first group then started harassing detractors of white, it spiraled out of control because the other side started fighting back and all of a sudden it's an eye for an eye. And it's, I think they're at a point now where no one really knows who started it or why it began. They just hate each other and they will not stop and I sound like I'm describing West Side Story. One of the places that I saw this kind of conflict play out was in the replies to your tweet when you tweeted out the piece. Can you tell us what the reaction to your piece was like? (laughs) A lot of people blocked me as soon as the article (laughs) ran so that reply section to me has a lot of holes in it um i've been told those holes are usually Mm. where people are um swearing at me and telling me they hope this isn't my day job um but ah it's it's strange isn't it because i think there was a a, a mass effort to kind of comment on the piece and be like no this isn't what's happening you've got it wrong um and, and this kind of desperation to have people see things from and i'm using air quotes here the positive side but all all it ended up doing really was reinforce exactly what was discussed in the article. Jessica, was there anything uh, that didn't make the piece uh, but is burned into your head that our listeners should know about? The infighting and doxing alone, I I couldn't do it justice because I couldn't get enough receipts. um, Mm -hmm. And I also didn't have time, but there were moles going back and forth between the various factions. The people would infiltrate secretly um nearly everyone in the fandom has two or three accounts where they will like go and defend themselves in a comment section if they're getting roasted or they'll go and troll people secretly whilst also being a member of a different group there have been leaks for that reason um from different groups they have coordinated block lists and just it's nuts and and there's high levels of paranoia as well for that reason they do not trust anyone So we've kind of skirted around this point, which is that this is a very unique audience and that is mostly older women who are very publicly loving a younger man, where if the kind of gender roles were reversed, it'd be looked at a lot differently. How do you see Whitey Nation as different from that? I mean, largely they are not. And the reason I can say this is because during my interviews, people who do consider themselves Will White devotees made it very clear that if their husbands were doing the same thing, if they were spending this money, if they were obsessing over a woman this much, particularly a younger woman, they would leave them. So there is a bit 
of a weird dynamic where that they know what they're doing is a bit shady and creepy as it as it would be if a man was doing it to a woman but they they also seem to get away from it with that said or get away with it sorry but with that said there's also a huge emotional component so when it was valentine's day will white did a live where he ate dinner in front of a camera by candlelight his sister pretended to wait the table all with his phone on the basis that all of his fans could pretend they were eating dinner with Will. And these women planned full course meals. They made shrines to him, like little pictures so they could sit in front of it. There, there are pictures. There is like, I don't know many men who, who would do that on a mass scale um, for a woman they paid for on OnlyFans. But I, I could just have not found them yet. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, strapping us into just one of the wildest roller coasters of a story we've written in a while on this show, which is saying something. <laughs> thank you very, very much for having me. I am always uh, very excited to talk about Whitey Nation, and it was a pleasure to be here. Once again, that was internet culture digital anthropologist Jessica Lucas. You can find her work at Input Magazine regularly and also on Twitter. All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends about us. Tell the middle-aged women in your life about us. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at ICYMI underscore pod. Or you can shoot us an email. We're ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Rachel Hampton, and me, Madison Malone-Kircher. We're edited by Allegra Frank, and Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. See you online, and here's where Rachel would say, or not.